Good afternoon and welcome back to another live episode of Red Tinted Glasses here on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel. And Callum, it is the well afternoon after the night before now. And I'm just wondering, do you feel as frustrated or maybe deflated as you were last night as the Dons drew their first home European group stage game against HAK Helsinki 1-1? I do. I am as frustrated. Um, mainly because I've seen their throwing back in the build-up to their goal, <laughs> and it is horrendous. Uh, very frustrating. A game felt needed to win if we're going to stand any chance of progressing through the group. Um, and it was... Underwhelming, I think, is a word I'd use to describe it. How are you feeling after it, Glenn? I'm still still frustrated. Um, maybe a little bit deflated as well, actually. I think the whole occasion, um, I know we were speaking about this this morning, felt a bit like an anti-climax. I know you want to pick up on the, the atmosphere in general um, in the South Stand. I think certainly the two head injuries towards the, the back end of the first half really seemed to kind of kill the crowd and kill any sort of momentum that we'd generated in that, that first half. It, it, I don't know, it was weird. It didn't feel like a, a European game. I thought the Haken game had a, had a better atmosphere um, about it. It was... I'm just glad, though, that we actually took something from the game overall because we've obviously seen in, in games gone by that we'd have maybe lost that sort of game. Uh, a point was 100% the least we deserved from that game last night. Yeah, I'd say so. I actually um, bumped into some Helsinki fans after the game and was speaking to them and he said, one of them in particular said, he felt they were lucky to get a point and from about, given the way the game went, from about the 65th minute onward when they were obviously 1-0 mm -hmm. up. Um, I suppose you could, could could take some of the first half into that as well, mm. other than maybe the opening ten minutes and then towards the sort of injuries uh, where they sort of had the, had the run of things. Uh, but it did it, it felt really flat in the south stand, <laughs> if if I'm honest. Um, it was it was odd. It was very odd. I don't know whether it was sort of nerves, apprehension coming from the crowd, but we were trying to get things going in the south stand and. It wasn't happening. It wasn't happening at all. And I just couldn't really understand it, if I'm honest, because in a game like that where it's tight, where we need to win, when we have momentum, get behind them and push them on, or if things are going the other way, could try and swing it. And it wasn't happening. Um, I, I, it, it was very, very, very bizarre. Uh, and a shame, really. It didn't feel like the first European group stage game at Pataudry since 2007. Yeah, no, it really didn't. It was it was a, a strange atmosphere and an interesting comment um, here on the lives. And Aberdeen didn't go into the game to win. We were generally scared against a piss poor team. Now, you said you spoke to a Helsinki fan. I dropped Ari, who of course gave um, gave us a, an insight into Helsinki on on the last episode. I emailed him this morning to kind of get the um, uh, opinion on what those in in Helsinki would have thought on last night and you know he felt that it was probably a, a fair result he felt that Helsinki more than matched Aberdeen but he was disappointed like you just said with the the last maybe 20 minutes and that maybe accounts for some of the players that have suffered injuries in their side recently um coming back and you know he said that the center back that actually made the mistake that led to Boyan's goal that was his first game back in a while as well but I do kind of uh, agree to an extent with that comment uh, that we didn't go into the game to win. But I think you can almost say that for both teams. I think both teams, you could tell 
almost needed to win the game to have any chance of qualification. But both teams were scared of losing the game and not really kind of had an effect on it. And, you know, we made one change to the side, that the one at Ibrox. Duke came into the starting 11 in, in replace of Dante Polvara, um, which meant Leighton Clarkson kind of went back to a more sitting role, a role that's not suited him in recent weeks. And we were discussing this in a group chat this morning. I can't for the life of me work out why Barry decided to change a formula that's been working the last three, four weeks, even in the Frankfurt game, um, obviously Leighton didn't start over in Germany. Why change the one area of the pitch that we were kind of almost having the most problems with, but finally sorting um, for a game that most of us felt we needed to win? I suppose then that's why you go with Duke Miofsky uh, to attack threats, but I didn't think it worked for Leighton Clarkson. Um, I thought he really struggled, but then when Connor Barron came on, I felt he was really one of the few playing with real impetus, trying to make things happen at a pace that would unsettle them. It felt like a game that both teams were too scared to lose, absolutely, and a draw would have been a fair result, I think. And <clears> We had a <throat> few good chances that we should have taken. Likewise, they had a few balls right across the box that they couldn't get on the end of. Um, yeah. But it was, it, it was a letdown, if I'm honest. Uh, I'm trying to look at the positives, though, and think, had we gone 1-0 down, if this was last season, whatever, I don't think we'd have come back into it and, and even got the point. And you could probably say that similar to sort of St Mirren this season uh, as well. And likewise, in Sweden, when we played Hacken, I don't think we'd have come back there either. Hmm. So I guess that's a positive, that they do show that fight and they are capable of getting back into things. The head don't, doesn't go completely. Because for the last few seasons... You felt whenever Aberdeen concede first, that's it, then we're not going to come back into the game. Yeah, um, exactly. But I guess, you know, we're obviously going to come into the game uh, a little bit more. But as Adam Heddle says, we were dominant, but Kel didn't make a save. We need to be more clinical. But unfortunately, when you're playing on this sort of stage, um, we spoke about it in the preview and we speak about it, you know, when we go into big games, and we'll probably mention in a few weeks ahead of that semi-final against Hibs at Hamden, in these games, you need to take your chances. You know, Barry mentioned the amount of chances we had in the home game against Hacken, mentioned the number of shots we had last night as well. Unfortunately, poor finishing um, cost us again last night. And look, their striker has 17 goals this season for a reason. He offered absolutely nothing last night, but he got one sight of goal uh, and took it with, with great conviction. Obviously, we'll speak about the build-up and the goal itself a little bit later on, but... Again, it's just it's fine margins uh, at this level. But yeah, if, if you're looking for positives, I think you've got to, to take the, the mentality of, of the squad to, to come back and, and take something from the game. Um, I just think, you know, a, a few folk have also uh, um, mentioned that the Pauk um, result last night. Obviously, they grabbed yet another late winner. Um, they scored late in Helsinki, a 92nd minute winner, I think it was last night against Frankfurt. Um, that kind of maybe was a double blow to what already was a kind of frustrating night for us at Pataudry. Um I think had that game finished 1-1 um, in Greece, I would probably be a bit more buoyant today um, about chances. Look, it's not over in terms of opportunities to qualify, but it, it's been made a lot harder by not winning a game that we had enough chances to do so. Absolutely. And now you're probably looking at beating Pauk both home and away and then going over to Helsinki and getting getting a good result as well. 
Yeah, well, or at least going undefeated against Pauk, which... Um, One of them would need to be a win, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would need to be. Um, and you're looking at that to be the, the game at Pataudry, and I think, I think that'll be the, the frustration. You know, we spoke about... You know, I did say four points would be a good target from the, this home doubleheader, but unfortunately, I think I, when I was predicting that, I wasn't predicting that Pauk would turn over Frankfurt. No, no, I, I didn't think so either. Um, so it does make the Pauk game even, even bigger, I suppose, th- th- than it, it already was. Um, we already saw, sort of saw it as an opportunity now. It would probably be a must-win uh, to qualify from the group. And hopefully the crowd will, will be up for it as well. I do think the Red Shed were very good. Um, however, it's just unfortunate that half the stadium doesn't know the chants that they're singing. So I, mm. I don't know. It was just a very, very odd game. Um, however, the display looked good, at least from when I was outside the ground and not in. Uh, you see the top <laughs> of the Dick Donald. So that was nice uh, because for some reason, uh, the far right turnstiles um, at the south stand to get in the last one, uh, only one of them was in operation. Not sure what mm. happened there. Handy. Um on the game itself, you know, the, the first half, it was quite, going back to that point of being a kind of a cagey affair and both teams really not kind of setting up to lose the game is probably the right the right way of describing it. I felt we were really poor in possession in the first half. Um, a lot of that, look, there's no getting away from it. Um, um, Leighton Clarkson was by far our worst player last night. We don't like singling individuals out, but it was quite glaring. Um, I think in the middle of the park, I almost began to feel sorry for him as the first half went on because he was almost trying too hard to rectify some of the mistakes. Um, either you know playing a, a certain pass or trying to take an extra touch that just wasn't coming off, <clears throat> and that was kind of leading us leading us to problems. I don't really think we kind of threatened too much in the first half. The only really kind of remember a couple of chances. Richard Jensen flashed a header just wide. I think Boyan similar, um, but both not really ever threatening the goal. The only real chance for me was the Duke header, which the keeper gets for me in that instance, really fortunate because he comes rushing out. Uh, and unfortunately, Duke just couldn't get any sort of height on the header. Um, you know, even a couple of inches more, and it, it probably finds the back of the next. I think it's fingertips from from Ustin goals that that sees it wide for a corner. But Helsinki, to me, in that first half, I think they had one shot from Rogic over the bar. Other than that, until we were down to ten men in that first half, just sat in and absorbed the pressure. This is not going well. Hello, <laughs> I'm back. You're back, yeah. Yes, they had one shot. Um, I remember that they sort of blazed over the bar inside the first 10 minutes. Um, Duke's chance for the header, definitely, I think, our, our biggest chance. However, I do agree that, I mean, the keeper got fortunate. It was a brilliant save in the end, but he got mm. very lucky because he came charging out. It sort of ended up in no man's land uh, and still pulled off an excellent save. Um, but it was cagey and it didn't help with the injuries towards the end at all. Um I just suppose we'll come on to uh, Duke's one, I guess. Yeah, uh, Paul Ricci said, what's the point of VAR if they don't look at the Duke challenge? I think, you know, certainly last night um, at, at the game, well, where I sit and stand in the, the red shed, the the pillar kind of blocked any sort of view that I had to, to see an elbow. I just saw him go down and, you know, 
maybe ashamedly a part of me thought that he was doing as usual and milking the incident. But one of the Helsinki players kind of stood over him and I thought there was a little kind of maybe kick to his head or a little stamp on his ear, you know, like stud maybe caught it. And that's why he was kind of rolling around holding his head at the time. So I thought, well, VAR definitely kind of have a look at that. So until, you know, those that weren't at the game or, um, you know, in different parts of the world and were sending in the replays, I was like, okay, well, VAR should definitely be taking a look at this. But I find it strange that there didn't seem to be any sort of indication that it was being looked at at all. But kind of this morning, the more I see it back, I'm not convinced it's a red card. I don't, I don't know how you feel. I tend to agree, um, to be honest. At the time, um, basically, messages were filtering through from my heart supporting pals, and they were saying that should absolutely be a red card. Uh, so I was mm. fuming, absolutely fizzing. But I've seen <laughs> it back plenty of times. And Duke doesn't go in to play the ball at all. Um, <laughs> it doesn't look like, and it looks like the, the players just sort of try to protect himself because um, Duke's coming steaming in. But he does catch him with his elbow. You've definitely seen. Ones like that, given as we sort of said about uh, Lundstrom, uh, Ibrox on Jamie McGrath. Um, a fair point from Adam G that McCrory got sent off for less last season. Again, a fair point. But the fact it wasn't even looked at, it doesn't seem like, or or you know, there, there wasn't any sort of big deal about it. Um, it's very, very odd. Uh, I don't think it, I would have been fine if it wasn't a red card in hindsight. Um, but at the time, it certainly would have helped. But that sort of the whole incident, everything surrounding it, I guess, kind of summed up Daniel Stefanski's night. He was shocking, absolutely abysmal. Remember when folk wanted international referees to come to Scottish football? If that was the standard that we would um, be putting up with, I'll happy keep um, what we've got just now. I mean, thinking of some of the other examples was right at the death when Duke was bursting through and I'm sure the Helsinki defender had his arm out uh, and pushed Duke back. And it became a free kick to them. I think that's the kind of photo if, uh, for those of on social media. SNS group tweeted out Duke's mm-hmm. on his knees pleading his case. And you just zoom in on our bench. Reese Williams, uh, Jack Milne's faces are absolute disbelief that the decision's gone our way. And even Barry Robson's face is a picture. And um, Barry was very careful what he said in his post-match comments last night to avoid any kind of action being taken against him for um, the refereeing performance. He did say that um, you expect a certain standard uh, in these competitions and he felt that the standard wasn't met. Um, uh, Duke as well, you know, had another couple of incidents uh, in the second half where he, the, the incident where it looked like from the red shed, he might've been caught by the keeper. I thought it's either a goal kick or a potential penalty. The referee gave a corner. We set up to take the corner and then all of a sudden he changes his mind to a goal kick. Having seen that incident back, um, it's quite embarrassing from Duke actually. Um, And it was picked up on sports sound how kind of easily he goes to deck um, last night. And it's maybe, you know, playing to the the European official. Um, But he's got to do better and, and stay on his feet in some instances last night. Probably, yeah. I It was baffling, the fact that he sort of, we were all set up for the corner, then he decided uh, it, it was their ball. Very, very odd, and one of the few odd instances. Um, other one I can think of is when uh, it looked like Boyan was getting played through, but then he got scythed down, 
and then Duke was through. He barely got a shot off. The keeper saved it. But then it was brought back for offside. Neither of them were offside at all. And Boyan was scythed down with no punishment whatsoever. Um, it was all just very, very bizarre. And that probably added to, to sort of the, the weird atmosphere, I suppose. Um, because it was just... It was pretty hard to follow at times. I don't know if that was the, you know, the, the, the pre-match antics. Uh, however, it was just confusing a lot of the time and you didn't understand why they were doing the things they were and there's just, there just a few other things where like it should have been their ball and we, we got it or it should have been our ball and they got it and it's the linesman just fucking it up <laughs> it was it was really bizarre yeah there was kind of no like real level of consistency i suppose and the other uh incident as well obviously in the first half saw saw richard jensen um take quite a gash to his eye um, and the referee gave a, a foul on Duke. Um, and again, that sparked messages um, last night saying that, I don't know if it was Duke actually clashed heads with Richard Jensen that, that caused the, the cut. But again, the Helsinki defender knew fine what he was doing in either pushing Duke or, or causing the injury to, to, to Richard Jensen. <clears throat> and then again, so that leads frustration. But because of who the referee gave the free kick against, apparently... Um, VAR can't look at it because it wasn't, you know, the incident on Duke that caused the injury or or whatever. There was apparently some nonsense nonsense about that. So there just seemed to be, as I said, no no consistency. But <clears throat> that injury to to Richard Jensen kind of gave Helsinki a bit of a foothold the last ten minutes, and it almost put us on the back foot. And was one of three positions that Jamie McGrath then had to play last night. He moved to left wing back. Uh, and and HJK tried their best to target that side of of our defence to to no avail, um, but yeah, it kind of really kind of killed the crowd and killed any sort of momentum we may have been building at the time. I don't I don't know. It was just a, a really weird end to the first half and even stranger start to the second. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it also sort of felt weird that you know, he went down the tunnel and you're, you're, as soon as he does that, you're expected to change. But then we just played mm-hmm. on until he was back and then he came out with this bonnie pink uh, dressing yeah. on his feet. Um, which was interesting. But fair play for him to, for trooping on because it looks a nasty one. Uh, fingers crossed he's okay for Sunday and then subsequently an international break because mm-hmm. um, it wasn't great. And it, he didn't shirk away from heading the ball clear uh, afterwards either. So credit to him. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The second half, as I said, you know, it was it was really strange. I, I kind of expected not exactly Robson to give the, the team a rocket up the arse at, at half time, but maybe give them a bit of a, a G up and say, look, we need to get the, the crowd going again because as I said, those two head injuries with the, the ten minute stoppage time at the end of the first half, there was a kind of eerie silence at that times going uh, along along the, the terraces at, at Pataudry. And we never got going in that, that second half. And again, it was clear that a change was needed in the middle of the park. Um, maybe Leighton got a bit longer than than expected, and it was just unfortunate that um, you know when we when we do make the change, and kind of a point that that Kevin Blanchard makes, it was annoying that it took going one 0 down before we actually had a proper goal. But it was annoying that the change that was quite glaringly needed made happened, and they scored straight away. So there was no kind of opportunity for that change to really take effect and then immediately we're chasing the game yeah absolutely it came at a very very poor time and um, i suppose we'll then 
go into uh, into that into that throw yeah. or foul throw. It's one of the least picked up upon offences, <laughs> uh, other than goalkeepers holding the ball for about twenty seconds. Um, foul throws. Uh, I thought he's like basically crouching when he throws it as well. Yeah, right into the ground. Abysmal. I'm sure. Do you remember Stefan Gartman took a throwing off his from his sitting down? I'm sure last night, if not almost lying down, there was an. I don't incident. know what the rule is anymore. Yeah, but a lot of their throw-ins felt like foul throws last night, and none got picked up on. No, not at all. And this one was absolutely costly. And um, you picked up messaging me afterwards that uh, tell me to watch the goal back because there's. Two of our players in the box when the ball got cut back compared to their three. That's their desire. Mm-hmm. And poor from us. I could maybe say Ruby could have done better to stop the cross. It's probably harsh, but that's maybe the one thing that could have prevented it. It's probably harsh given the fact that there were Shinny, Barron, and I think McKenzie would have been out there around the, the player that received the throw-in. Um, how he escaped from the kind of pressure of those three in the first place would be maybe questioned by Barry Robson. But for me as well, um, Jamie McGrath switches off totally from the throw-in as well, uh, allows the striker to run in the box. Um, Gartenman and, and Jensen are probably already preoccupied with the other two defenders, uh, sorry, attackers um, in our box. Uh, and McGrath's just just jogging, just watching the play like the rest of us uh, in, in the stand. And unfortunately, as I said, the guy up front for HJK, for me, offered nothing last night, but he takes that goal really well. A really classy finish. Um, Kel, no chance in a game that he didn't have a save to make. Um, and unfortunately, you can't give teams of or players of that quality or that ability the opportunity to punish you because they will. Um, I noticed Kaiser said that he felt HJK were well worth their lead. He also picked up on the fact that they were um, a better passing team than us. Um, I probably kind of agree because he, he mentions that all we do is one or two passes and then hoof the ball up the park. That kind of annoyed me as well last night. I felt too many times we were trying to go over the top um, instead of you know passing the ball on the ground. And when we did that in the last 10 minutes, we were really causing them all sorts of problems. Any kind of long balls... Uh, up, up the park they were dealing with like, relatively comfortably but would you agree that they deserved the lead because I don't know if I do I'd maybe say off the back of sort of how they ended the first half compared started to, the second bit, yeah and then how they started the second as well I guess probably um, and when you're finishing the ball like that when you've not really been in the game you can't really argue another Bojan in, interestingly 23 year old mm. from Serbia great feat for a big lad because he was fucking huge and I thought they were mm. going to um, maybe load the box a little bit more for him to attack it um, excellent finish but it's a shame really for McGrath um, because you know, he sort of switched off a little bit other than that I thought he was excellent and when he filled in at left wing back as well, slotted in perfectly. Uh, so it's a shame. And uh, sort of, I guess, if we were hoping to sort of grow in the second half, it kind of took the wind out of the sails a little bit. Yeah, exactly. It took the wind out of the sails, but as I said, also kind of nullified that, in a sense, that change in bringing, in bringing Connor Barron on. However, it was an evident change and a change that did 
kind of obvious in the end pay off. But Connor Barron really, to me, in in that kind of half hour cameo he has last night, really showed a, a big difference and probably why we should be looking to kind of be starting him. Um, certainly, you know, looking ahead maybe to Sunday's game against St. Johnson because he was always looking for the ball. He was dictating the the play in the middle of the middle of the park, kind of guiding even the likes of Graham Shinney on, on where to go. And he also kind of had that energy in midfield and, and drive to to go forward. There was always, you know, with Leighton, it's always looking to to launch that ball over the top for for Miofsky to run on. Whereas with Connor, yes, he can do that, but Whilst Boyan's making that run, you know, Connor's looking at the you know, Nicky Devil and Jack McKenzie. Can I spray this ball out wide instead? Because the defenders are going one way, which is opening the space for the wing backs. Whereas I felt kind of maybe going back to that point from Kaiser, it was a lot of when Leighton was on the pitch, let's just go over the top, let's just put the ball on in the air and someone can chase it down. But we we're keeping the ball in the deck a lot more with Connor. And I'm just thankful that eventually we managed to take one of our millions of chances but uh, again going back to a point you mentioned earlier we did ride our luck because again um the guy up front could have doubled um their lead and and kind of like hacking when there was a, a glaring opportunity to double their lead thankfully we managed to to respond and use that to our advantage and it, it didn't cost us but um yeah it was a, it was a shame that kind of it took for for one nil to kind of as we've we discussed kind of kick us into life but also the fact that we conceded so soon after Connor came on that it meant we were chasing the game yeah we were uh I kind of want to mention I thought it was a bit odd that we only used the three substitutes throughout the game and mm. I thought it was weird that it was very late until we kind of deviated from the three center backs and I think yeah Devlin went off late on which I think meant it was more of a four I guess and um, yeah. Gartman moved sort of to, to the right. Oh no, Mc, no, McGrath moved to right McGrath. wing back. Actually, well, why did yeah. we do that? Why did we do that when we're one 0 down in the game? We need to win. Why did we not change to a four and, and okay, then have Hayes and Devlin or wing wing backs or, or Mackenzie when he was on? I didn't understand that whatsoever. Or Jensen could play left back as well as we saw uh, up at mm. Tingwall when we went down to to ten men. I thought we could have made more of it, and I thought it was very odd we only used three substitutions um, throughout the game. Again, I guess that maybe goes down to the the trust and and or quality that we've got on the bench. Um, I guess I see where you're coming from in terms of moving Jensen out to um, left back. That was a sub that a few people around me seemed a bit confused by when Johnny Hayes came on. I, you know, he offered more than Jack McKenzie did at that stage of the game because obviously I think Jack was was getting tired and it was helping us push um, HJK back. Um, it was just so again this this whole right wing back situation and Jamie McGrath you know he looked he did nothing wrong um at, at right wing back but he's a player that can create something he's a player that can you know do something up the pitch in the middle of the park but we're now we were having to utilize him at a right wing back for the the sake of bringing on Esther Sokler look I'm not having to go that that need for for Esther Sokler but again it goes back down to the stubbornness, I guess, of Barry to move away from that back three and wing backs. And again, when you're at home, you probably want to show a bit more intent, a bit more desire. Um, does that three at the back um, suit? And it was actually quite interesting listening to to Willie Miller and uh, Rory Loy on Sports Sound on the drive home last night saying that, you know, Aberdeen have probably 
found a formula and found a formation that suits them away from home, um, as we've seen recently at, at both Ross County and Ibrox, and to an extent, I guess, at, at Frankfurt as well. However, we've not quite quite found that at home. Yes, the, the Ross County game kind of took care of itself in terms of we looked convincing, but it's still not fully there. I think we showed that last night that we've got the parts, but we've just not quite got it working to its full potential. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I'd say a lot last night it felt, well, when the ball was going out to the wing-backs, be it Devlin, Hayes or Mackenzie when he was on, the ball was going out there, they're providing the width, but then there's no one higher up the park. So let's mm-hmm. say they're getting that on the halfway line. There's nothing ahead of them uh, at all in terms of width, which is just frustrating to me. And at home, you need. I, I, I don't like the fire at the back at home. I can understand using it away from home. It's worked, as you say. But when the pressure's on us, when we're meant to have you know, more attacking impetus, we're going to control the game. At times, like we, we should have a little bit more probably than we did last night. It's kind of limiting. It's a little bit limiting. Um, and, of course, we've recruited to fit this system. So, I guess we're a little bit hamstrung in the fact... Uh, oh, hamstrung. Shaden Morris injured. Uh, <laughs> then you've got Ryan Duncan as as your only real winger, I guess, because someone's not in the squad. Yeah. It, it, it is frustrating. But Chris Fraser mentioned something, just to go back onto the referee. Um, the <laughs> ref had a great header uh, in the HJK box, in which I'm glad he never... For he got in the way of the game twice, both when mm. we were on the ball, and it was just it just showed his lack of awareness, his lack of positional awareness. Where he should be able to see the game, he shouldn't be where the ball is going to go. I get it sometimes yeah. happens accidentally, but twice one when it was in their box is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, no, it, it was, and thankfully, he didn't get in the way. Um, when it mattered most for us, and um, as I said, chance after chance seemed to go by, and I was getting the kind of sad feeling that it was going to be one of those nights for us. Um, but um, when you've got a player of Boyan Miofsky's um, finishing ability, and obviously it was a night where um, the, the club remembered two legends in, in Frank McDougall and Jim Forrest pre-match as well. Um, uh, Frank McDougall, of course, uh, a player that scored heaps and was a quality striker by all accounts for those you know old enough to, to remember him. Certainly me and you, that's not us. Um, I'm sure your dad will have told you a few tales about him, but what a finish from Boyan. Um, I think even more so given probably the flight of the ball is affected um, by the defender um, heading it. Um, and the best thing about that finish is, is the way he heads it down into the into the ground. Um, obviously kind of really affecting the keeper, but the way it's right into the, the post and, and side netting. But scoring goals like that, um, uh, on, on such a, a big stage um, was going to keep bringing the attention uh, on to Boyan come the January transfer window. Particularly if we're not in Europe, um, I, I suppose. Um, it was an excellent, excellent header. Yes, fortuitous about uh, how, how it came about, but there was only one man, you felt, on, on the park that would have been able to finish it there. Uh, it's him, I think, um, I'm going to watch it back. Cregan, I think it was, described mm-hmm. him as a predator. Uh, and I think that's the only that's the only way you can describe him because he does have a real eye for goal and he's classy as well. He seems like a classy forward. He's a good player. Um, you just got to hope 
that you'll see out and uh, get us back to, to this, this position next season. Um, I know we should have probably won the game. Um, however, I would like to say, doesn't it feel good that you know we've had a goal to celebrate on the stage and, and we're back competing at that level? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, nights like last night, sadly, don't come along too often for us in, in terms of being um, in the group stages, um, more meaning that rather than, than European football. And I think, you know, last night will have given a lot of people a taste um, of what that's like and um, hopefully it's given the players a, a taste of wanting to do it again um, next season. And, you know, you've spoken about this month coming up as being a kind of big month for us in terms of accumulating some points. Um, and obviously that starts on Sunday against St Johnston and hopefully that's given the players a bit of motivation going into the game that, look, we want to get that third place and get back to, you know, knowing that we can guarantee ourselves um, group stage football. And, yeah, you know, look, obviously the result is, it feels frustrating, frustrating, it feels deflating. I've seen a few folk as well kind of saying it felt a bit like a defeat kind of coming away from Pataudry, but... Look, we, we came from behind to get a point, which we've already spoken about It is a credit. But could we, Callum, be sitting here or should we be sitting here speaking about all three points? Because once again, on the European stage, Duke has missed a one-on-one -on -one chance um, against the keeper. I actually think um, he was offside, um, having watched the, the replay back um, or the highlights, I should say, back this morning. Um, so whether or not we would have been denied by VAR, we'll, we'll never know because the ball never made it into the back of the net. Um, Kaiser says, and both of us are Duke's biggest fans, um, but the missed chances are costing us on the big stage. As I said, I personally thought he was maybe just offside. I don't know, you'll probably get a slightly better view in, in Section S um, in terms of real time. But at the game last night, I actually thought it was a really good save. Um, from the keeper I thought he comes out well to kind of narrow the angle but I again maybe down to where I stand in in, in the red shed I actually thought Duke was maybe at a wider angle um, than where he actually ended up taking the shot uh, I'm, I'm watching it back could he have maybe gone round the keeper and, and finished instead of going straight at him again we were speaking beforehand was he maybe trying to lob it I know you've got a couple of, of thoughts on that opportunity I think he does better in situations where he doesn't have to think too much and mm -hmm. he has to do it off instinct. And this season, examples of that would be, you know, the chance they were talking about in the hacking game and last night. And then you flip that with last season, saw him score a back heel where he had to trust his instinct and that was the only thing that was going to work for him and the overhead kick against Ross County. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas last night he had time to, take a touch or two, set himself, did kind of lack the composure. However, on seeing it back, it's still a bouncing ball, so it's difficult to take. I don't think he could have taken it around the goalkeeper because it's, it would have been easily for the ball to bounce up. It's come off the shin and to go straight out for a goal kick. And we'd have been saying, why didn't he just take the shot off, uh, mm -hmm. take the shot on? That being said, I still think he should have scored and should have done better. It's a tough one to take. It was a good save, ultimately, but looking at it, it's straight at him, essentially, and it's frustrating because that could have that could have been very special. It could have been. Uh, as I said 
I would like to maybe see a couple more replays on the terms of onside, offside. But again, it's just that composure in front of goal, the clinical nature, again, going back to what HJK offered or, well, didn't really offer in front of goal. Their striker showed that bit of composure um, and was clinical in front of goal compared to, to Duke on that occasion. Um, but there was other chances that we had as well. Obviously, Boyan um, had an opportunity where he kind of scooped the ball towards goal and um, Oost has to tip, tip it over the bar. Graham Shinney, you know, slashes a, a shot when the ball's coming down from the air. Again, bit of composure. Could he have, you know, done better to con- control it? There was just, again, some of the maybe final um, passes um, or, or final attempts were just kind of lacking. Again, there was a couple of other opportunities where I think Jamie McGrath felt he could have maybe gone for goal, but he looked to pass to Graham Shinney and Graham Shinney wasn't expecting the pass and it went past him. It was, again, maybe just down to that that nervousness and inexperience, I, I guess, at this stage. And one thing, of course, we've got to remember as much as we you know, held our own against um, HJK last night. And, you know, that was something that Barry picked up on, the fact that, you know, we more than matched them uh, across the 90 minutes. A lot of their players went down with cramp um, towards the end of the game. So, you know, fitness wasn't a problem. But these guys have been playing group group stage football for two or three seasons. Same with Frankfurt, same with Pauk. You know, we are the new guys at, at this level, at this competition, despite you know, the expectation and probably want from us as fans to look at that game last night and and think we should be winning it. We had enough chances to win it, absolutely. But we are still a a relatively new side in terms of players, but also to the competition. So we've got to maybe factor in a bit of inexperience. um, And that's only something we're ever going to learn by doing this sort of thing regularly. Yeah, absolutely. And... That's sort of similar to what I said after after the win against Rangers. A lot of the players, oh, I never won in Glasgow, and that's an experience that they've taken on early in the season. Mm. Um, and this is another experience for them that will only um, make them better. They'll make them more comfortable in these sort of situations at this sort of level. And uh, as I said, sort of as a fan, I, I, given it, it was 2007, the last time we played uh, group stage football in a European yep. competition. It's just good to finally have it back at Pataudry, uh after such a long wait and after so many failed attempts in getting there as well. No, I, I, absolutely. And look, again, it, it's a game that many of us felt um, that we that we should have won. Um, we didn't, and I, I think that's why there's that kind of feeling in the in the stomach and, and that, that it, it was a huge missed opportunity, but Look, the group is still there to be be got at, and hey, look, we were the only Scottish team to do something in Europe this this week. So there's that as well. That's true. Best result. So we'll take that. We'll take that all the way to bank, and we'll take that going into the game on Sunday. We will taking us to the game on Sunday. What changes then do you make um, as bottom side St Johnson travel to Petodre this Sunday for a three o'clock kickoff? I expect Connor Barron to to start the game. Um, a lot of people last night maybe saying this is the time where Esther Sockler gets a chance. I think possibly. Um, I certainly think Connor Barron deserves to come in and start the game. Um, he has looked very good this season, uh, which is certainly encouraging. And in a game against St Johnston, he's the type of player that could di- dictate play all afternoon. Um, mm. 
Esther Sockler, I would like to see him given a shot. Um, he's been champing at, chomping at the bit, champing at the bit. I don't know which one it is. Chomping. Um, grabbed his first goal against Ross County last night. Didn't have much to feed off of, but he was effective in terms of winning few flick-ons. I'd like to see him given a chance. Duke, a little bit of rest because he's going about to go away with Cape Verde, I suppose, as well. A lot of travelling, probably some game time. Um, other than that, I suppose, then there's the question of Hayes or McKenzie at left wing back. Um, and yes, I suppose Richard Jensen might not start after the head knock. Duke rested and Sockler in. Who comes in for Jensen? Does McKenzie slot across the left centre-back and then Hayes comes in at left wing back or perhaps Duncan? Mm-hmm. Or do we see Angus McDonald or Reese Williams for the first time in competitive action, uh, action for the latter? Yeah, I, I'm interested on, well, I know Chris Fraser says there Duke rested. I just wonder on both Duke and Richard Jensen, because obviously Duke didn't take one head knock. He took two, of course, in, the, in that first half. Will there be kind of any kind of concussion protocol or any kind of follow-up today um, on how both those players feel? Because probably a bit of adrenaline helped more so probably Richard through the game yesterday. So do we kind of see any ill effects from that and you know, you see sometimes in, in the likes of rugby where players have to, to miss out for a week or so whilst they, you know, do concussion protocols. So um, with the international break in mind, I think it's fair. You know, obviously Angus McDonald got minutes. Uh, Ibrox, I'm sure he would more than be capable of filling in in that slot and allow us to keep, you know, Jack McKenzie or Johnny Hayes at left wing back back because uh, let's be honest I don't see us changing from a, a back three going into the weekend as well and I, I think you want to probably keep as much of that defense as stable as as possible um I'd, I'd be looking at you know I think Connor definitely coming into the, the the starting 11 I think you've got to continue to start Boyan um given kind of how good a form he's been in just now and I think as much as we've had this run of games and only really kind of made two or three changes from game to game. This is, as the club tweeted out today, the, the final push before the international break. So, look, I know there'll be kind of tiredness in the legs, I'm sure, and they'll be feeling it a bit after after the, the efforts of, of last night. But this game is set up, given some of the other fixtures in the league this weekend. You know, you've got an Edinburgh derby. You've got a, a terrible Rangers side travelling to inform St Mirren. You've got um, Ross County and Dundee both below us facing off against each other. Motherwell have got to travel to that plastic pitch at Livingston. There's a real opportunity here, again, if results are generous um, from an Aberdeen point of view, that we could go out and take advantage of them, find ourselves sitting in the top six. But, you know, because there's, there's so many teams on similar points, we need to make sure that we almost just continue that momentum that we've been building um, over the last few weeks. Absolutely. And I think going into the international break off the back of a high, off the back of uh, three league wins in a row into the semi-final and, okay, a point against HGK where we could have taken three, but not the worst Mm. on the world, then we'd be in a very good place. And we wouldn't have probably thought that a month ago uh, at all. Um, you mentioned sort of some of the fixtures there. Hearts and Hibs play each other. If that was a draw and we were to win, we would be level on points with Hearts, above Hibs, uh, maybe even above Hearts on goal difference at that point. Yep. And you absolutely would have taken that. Um, 
at the start of the season at this stage, considering we've got European football to compete with, compete with as well. And St. Johnston, our doggy doo-doo. Um, we need That's going to come back to bite you. <laughs> I know. Andy Constantine's going to score, or Stevie may take your pick. Uh, one of the two. Um, we, they, we're at home against St. Johnston. They are bottom of the league, aren't they? And they are. Um, they are, yes. Oh, well, bottom of the league. They're four points mm-hmm. adrift at the bottom of the league. Um, it needs to be it needs to be a win. It needs to be three points. And hopefully, a very good performance along with it. But as I've sort of been saying recently, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care if it was 1-0 off Dukes behind. Yeah, and I agree with Kaiser. Anything else, anything less that, than winning on Saturday is unthinkable for me. We can't afford to, to be dropping silly points um, again um, this season, um, more so at home. Um, we, we spoke previously about you know the, the game against Rangers where we were maybe not expected to win compared to the, the home game against Ross County. I think this game and, and the, the Dundee game after the international break are two games that you know most in Scottish football, let alone us as Aberdeen fans, would be looking at expecting six from six. And if we want to, you know, claw back that that momentum um, and certainly points that we maybe feel we missed out on at the, you know, August and, and early September, these are these are two ideal games to to do to do so and. Look at the St. Johnson side that have obviously, you know, impressively got a point against Celtic at Parkhead this season. That point looks more impressive as the as the weeks go on. Um, so they know all too well about being stubborn. They they fought back again. This was obviously at home against Dundee from two 0 down. So I, I think we know that St. Johnson are not going to come to Petaudry and lie down or be turned over too easily. They're always a a sticky team. They're a horrible team to play against. They're a horrible team to watch. Um, I would say no offence, but um, I, to be honest, I mean it because it's the worst team. I hate going to St. Johnston. I hate when we play St. Johnston. The games are terrible. Um, the games are stuffy, niggly. Um, it'd be good to actually really beat them quite well this weekend. I'd really enjoy that. Yeah, I agree. A nice convincing victory would be excellent given how bad our games against them have been over over well I say over recent years but since they got back <laughs> in the top fight really um it's just been horrendous. Um the, the one sort of there were a few moments of excitement I can uh, a few moments I could call back to maybe of excitement would be Clarkson's free kick um, Teddy Jenks uh, handing the ball and then uh, then putting it in the back of the net and Brian Easton rocking it mm, yeah. into the top corner at Pataudry. But convincing win for the Reds would be a good for goal difference as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a nice note to leave it on going into, into the international break. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, that's where we want to, you know, put us in that kind of good place going into the international break and feel like it's come at a bad time of course um, we've got a lot of players going away on, on international duty as well it seems every other minute the club's tweeting about someone departing Cormac Park um, after the weekend to, to go and represent their country which is um, a, a good selling point for the club as well I'm sure um, looking ahead that you can get international recognition um, here as well so hopefully all the players continue to stay fit this weekend and as you say put in that good performance but ultimately um, come away with the, the three points as well and 
um, give us something positive to, to look at next week um, when, when we come back. It'll probably be a, a pre-recorded um, uh, episode next week, given the, the fact that, that it's an international break coming up, because it's been quite a busy schedule for us trying to fit in these lives. Um, I've had a few funny looks in the meeting room today, um, having the mic sat up um, as close as usual. And if you have been um, not watching the live as well, please do leave us feedback on what the audio levels were like um, on, on this episode so I can take note for, for future recordings if I need to, to move the mic up a little bit closer as well. But um, thank you very much to all of you that have tuned in um this lunchtime um friday lunchtime if you've been watching live with us um thanks for interacting with the show remember to to leave a like as well and um subscribe to the channel as well or follow on the audio platforms as well uh until next time enjoy the game on sunday <laughs>